Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. There's something a few weeks ago I tried to speak over, and then a certain revelation dropped in my spirit, but I did not have the opportunity to share it with you. And I left it on a shelf for a time approved by God, And I thank God that it is now that he allows me to share this. But I had touched something on Solomon and David. I shared something in that direction. But I did the same things I didn't share and they stayed in my heart. And I felt led by God tonight to touch them. And I believe that if you understand the message tonight, if you understand the message tonight, you're going to be above any circumstance any circumstance any circumstance i'm not saying that issues will not come i'm only saying that you will be above all victory will be assured even before you start your war hallelujah hallelujah first chronicles chapter 17 verses 1 The Bible says, it came to pass as David sat in his house, and David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in an house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. And then Nathan said unto David, Go do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. That's one of the most powerful scriptures in in the Bible. For me, it might not be for everybody, but in scripture there are things that cut me so deep. That this man was sleeping in a house of cedar and he was disturbed that while he was in the house of cedar, the presence of God was in curtains. The ark of the covenant was in curtains. That's a man after God's own heart. That's a man who builds his house and remembers the ministry of Jesus. That's a man who buys a car and remembers the ministry of Jesus. That is a man who buys clothes and shoes, but he remembers the ministry of Jesus. That he feels affected, that he will have certain things, and yet the Ark of the Covenant is in curtains. Literally meaning that certain affairs in the household of God are not dealt with. That's a man after God's own heart. You know that people don't even care when they go to their home churches. A bulb is out, and they don't even care whether the bulb is out. They just, okay, yeah, the bulb is out. Because now we see with the seven. Let's see with the seven. He's <laughs> sufficient. You understand? No. Buy the bulb. Put it in. That's a man after God's own heart. That's someone who will feel convicted driving back, back your hammer. And then you're like, but the house of God doesn't have a light. You understand what I'm saying? That's a man and woman after God's own heart. That was David. That's how all of us are. <laughs> Shout Hallelujah. But what a love for God. What a love for God. What a love for God that this man had. 
What a love for God that he had. How can I sleep in cedars, in cedar wood, cedar houses, when, when, the, when the ark of the covenant is in curtains? And Nathan tells him, go do according to your heart. Are you following me? We go deeper. Now, when David tells God he wants to build him a temple, this is his desire. It's his desire. And the prophet sees the heart of the man and tells him, go do exactly how you feel. And the Bible tells us in the next verse, and it came to pass that that same night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said that go and tell David my servant, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not build me an house to dwell in. Are you following me? Go tell David, I don't want a house. He loves me. He loves me. But I don't want a house. Now is not the time for the house. You see, even in your love for God and all my love for God, I've seen that there are mistakes I have made by losing the revelation and purpose of God in the definitive time. So I say, even as a person who loves God, I have seen, and all of us have fallen prayer of that, that sometimes in our love of God, sometimes we tend to do certain things that we feel are pleasing to God, will we'll bring glory to him because we love him that much, but sometimes it's not what he wants at that particular point. So more than just you saying, God, I'm sleeping in a cedar house and you're, ark of the covenant is in curtains. Sometimes it's important also to ask, I love you so much and I feel guilty sleeping in a cedar house while your ark of the covenant is in curtains. But what do you will me to do? Because you know I love you anyway. Is it the appointed time for me to build a house for your dwelling or it's not the time? And this was the problem that David was dealing with because even though he loved the Lord, it was not in the mind of God to have a temple during that time. Even though David, by the love of God, felt guilty that he was sleeping in a house of cedar, it was not still the appointed time for God to sleep in a temple. Who is following what I'm saying? So we are not saying that God is against building temples. We are only saying that it was not the time for David to build a temple. It was time for David to do something else, but not to build a temple. And I know you love God so much, but always take time and seek his mind, even in your giving. God, I want to give and I could give anything and everything, but where do you want me to give? How do you want me to give? Giving is supposed to be spirit-led. It's not supposed to be manipulated. It's not supposed to be a coercion. It's not supposed to be a scaring thing. You know, if you don't give, God will kill you. No. We're not supposed to be spending countless hours telling you what is supposed to be a blessing. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So giving is a grace. It's a blessing. Hallelujah. But even in your giving, be led. Tell your neighbor, even in your giving, be led by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Be led. Just be led. Don't be coerced. Don't be twisted. Let them not tell you the problems we have in the ministry. If you don't give, we shall die. No, no, no. no. This is God's ministry. Whether you build it or you don't, another man will give to our bosom. But you must give led. We, we will not twist your arm to do that. Hallelujah, somebody. And I've realized when you don't twist men, it's amazing how much they can give. I realize when you twist the hands of men, you limit them. Hello? Praise God. So, 
It's one thing to love God, but it's another for you to seek his mind on what he exactly wants you to do and do exactly what he desires you to do. You'll see his hand. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the, the prophet Nathan tells him, even though I have told you do according to your heart, the Lord appeared to him in the night and tell him, you know what? It is not, it is not appointed for you to what? To build that temple. And the Bible continues to say, for I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought you up, Israel, unto this day. But have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. And the Bible says, Wheresoever I have walked with all Israel, spake I a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedars? You know, it's from the time I have been as God. Have you ever had me hang the judges then, even before the kings were ordained? Have you ever had me hang men to tell them you have not built me a house of cedars? So don't think that my attention, David, is, is on the house now. Now is not the time. It, it was not in the time for the house of cedar to be built for God in the days of the judges. Like it was not time for the days of David as a king to build. And there was a time where God himself knew that the church, the building, the temple of God was to be built. And when I'm talking about the temple and church, I'm not talking about the physical building. I'm talking about you. For the Bible says you are the temple of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. That means that God's attention then was not so much on the, that physical dwelling place then. And I'll explain why later. I'll explain why later. And the Bible continues to say, Now therefore, that says, Thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep court, even following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people of, of Israel. And the Bible says, And I have been with thee, with the soever thou hast walked, and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee, and have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth, like Apostle Grace. And, and the Bible says, And I also... He says, I will ordain. He told him, I, 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 you want to build me. No, 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 listen. I will ordain a place for my people, Israel, and I will plant them, and they shall dwell in their place and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of the wickedness waste them anymore as at the beginning. Praise the Lord. And the next verse says, and since the time that I command the judges to be over to be over my people of Israel. Moreover, will I subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee a house. You love me. You want to build me a house. That's not my attention. My attention is, for me, I want to deal with you. <laughs> if you love me, respond to my love for you. It's not what you do for me. It's what I do in you and for you. Who has understood what I just said? It's not what you do for me as God. It's what I do in you and what I do for you. You want to build me a house. Thank you. But at one point, I will establish a place for my people. I will save them from all their enemies. And I will build you a house. It, you might want to use your hands and your own human ability to do this. But it yields to me enough to respond to my love for you. That when I start building. Or when I use anybody to build. It will be evident it's not that man but me using that man to build. But not you. 
Who has understood what I say? God, I want to have a marriage. I want to work out my marriage in a way that will be pleasing to you. And he's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not interested in the marriage you're going to do for me to please me. I'm interested in you yielding to me because I am love. God is love. That definition of love you have of humanity has an end. But I am love. And that love, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, never fails. Allow me to love you and teach you to love. Who has understood what I just said? God, I want to do business for you. No, don't do business for me. Allow me to get in you, do business in you, and do business for you. Who has understood what I just said? Isn't that so easy? The Bible says in scripture that everything that was not planted by God, it shall be uprooted. If you're in a business and it doesn't have the hand of God, you're gone. Pastor, if you're building a church, you are building a church. Somebody one time phoned and said, Apostle, tell us how you are building ministry. I told you, Grace. No, we know your name is Grace. No, you don't get it. It's the grace of God. It's what he does through me. I can tell you the patterns of his working in me, but I cannot tell you the things I've done without him. It's not there. Hallelujah. I'll be lying to you. If you're talking of fasting, people have fasted longer than I have. If you're talking of prayer, people have talked, have prayed longer than I have. If you're talking of articulate, there are people who are more articulate than I have. There are probably people who even spoke wiser than I was. But again, you came. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there's that extra thing that the Lord works in us and you and I. You're not going to be the smartest person, but business will come to you. You're not going to be the most perfect person, but grace shall be bestowed unto you. You might not be the strongest there is, but I decree in the mighty name of Jesus. That same God that calleth the things that are not as though they are and calls the, the, dead from the, the living from the dead. He shall quicken you to a place of results beyond your ability, beyond your sustainability, beyond your education, beyond your networks, beyond your color, your skin, and your tribe. God has a way of working with the inefficient. I don't know why God gets so attached to people who know how much they can't. He looked, there are people who think they can. You know me, if it wasn't for me. Uh, no, no. But God, God loves, God relates so much with people who know that I can't do it myself. The moment you understand that it is not in my ability. Oh, yo, 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 yo. You remember the children of Israel? When they came to, 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 to God and told him, you know what? We want a king over us like other nations. You remember? We want a king over us like other nations. And God tells them, it is not my will for you to have a king. And there's a mystery there. I can share it maybe next Thursday or some day or some other day. Because some people think that God being against the idea of kingship meant with the children of Israel think that he was out of the idea of kingship of purpose. And those are two different things. When he appeared to Abraham, he told him out of you king shall come. So he had an idea of how the kingship anointing will flow. But men had an idea of how also the kings of this world are. And there's a difference between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. There's a difference between how the kings of this world are and the kings of God are. When the Bible says in the book of Revelation that you've been made kings and priests unto the most high God. There's a way the kingly anointing functions in the dispensation of the New Testament. It is quite different from how the kings of this world are. 
You understand? We carry a servanthood spirit in the kingly anointing of the dispensation of the New Testament. Yet, we carry a distinctive anointing. You never forget that. So he says, okay, if you want to look for a version of anything that will be king, I'll give you Saul. And the Bible says Saul was, came from the smallest tribe of Israel, the smallest clan of Israel, the smallest family of Israel. And God said, okay, if you want a king, I have to get from the least. If you, if you want, I cannot get from the greatest. I can't look at that more. The Lord says, and Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family, the least of all families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore they speak as thou so to me. How can you tell me that I'm going to be king when I'm coming? I'm talking to some of you who came from far. I'm talking about people who who were raised with silver spoons in their mouth and they ate serelak. Some of us, we didn't eat serelak. We ate cassava. <laughs> when you are crying serelak, serelak, for us who are crying muogo, muogo, you understand? But God, who is rich in mercy, the Lord says, brethren, not many of us were wise. Not many of us were strong. Not many of us were almighty report. But he chose the bestest, the smallest things of this world that he might shame the wise. So when you're weak, know that you're strong. Your very weakness is the very reason why God will use you. That is why I tell people, when the devil attacks you, don't begin from the strengths you have in glory. Begin from the weakest point and remind the devil. And tell the devil, I've not just begun when I stood on the pulpit on Thursday on Fanero. No, this thing is longer. It's older. I had it when I was on a border border. I had it when I was in the dust. I had it when I was in a taxi. I had it when I could not speak English. It was in my body when I was still going to a dusty road in Impeachy. That thing was still there. He ordained it in me. So don't be deceived by what you see on the altar. Because we ain't started yet. Tell your neighbor I ain't begun yet. Tell the devil that no. Tell him don't bring me that nonsense. Even if this big old business went, I can still rebuild. Rachi, the thing was on me. Even before the business began. Take it away. Take away everybody. I'll still wake up, get that same Bible, stand in massacre, and the same anointing that raised me last year will come again because the giftings and callings of God are without repentance. That is why you should never worry. Praise God. The same thing that brought it then, it shall bring it again. Because the gift and calling of Oh, I once had favor and the favor reduced. No, no. You had it? Did you have it? Did you have it once? Hey, it has not left you. Hallelujah. Circumstances are temporal. The things we see are temporal. Those are just temporal things trying to get you out of your mood. But I encourage you and tell you, if it worked before, it shall work again. If he uplifted you before, he will uplift you again. If he fought for you last year, he will fight for you again. If he fixed them last week, he will fix it again. He is the same yesterday, today. That lack is temporal. You will break forth. I'm prophesying. 
How about you want me to shake a bit? You will break forth. The harder you fall, the higher you rise. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. This is where ruins come to life. That is why you come every Thursday. To, uh, you turn, praise God. You, you hear something and you say, but uh, I'll make it. 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 How many here have gone through a situation and you never, you, you reached the end and you now, now I'm gone. And then God did something. When all their enemies were watching, speaking, po <laughs> woo, sipping porridge on a table, saying she's gone. Didn't we tell you? Isn't that her end? And then God out of there. He does something. Do I have a witness? Oh, I'm talking to myself. He will do it again. And 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 again. To the glory of God. Hallelujah. If you made a loss, dust it off. Don't even cry over it. Just and start again. Hallelujah. Dust it off and just move on. If the relationship failed, they bury the story. Get a rub and rub it. Begin a new page or buy a new exercise book. And write another story. But you have to move on. You have to move on. You have to, you have, you have to move on. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. You have to move on. That's a person of faith. Some of you, there are people who have held you in your past. They're like a bug. You remember in 2002, when you killed a cow. You, you, you remember, you killed a cow. Okay, it even ro rotted. Is it English? <laughs> Listen. Listen. You're still of value now. Like you are when you first believed. Let them not lie to you. You still have the presence of God in your life. You still have his glory, his love and peace. He said, even when we are not faithful. He abides faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. You and him are already one. You're knocked both and you come out both. He said, I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Now, if I don't love that God, who will I love? Tell me. Praise the Lord, somebody. So God told David, I will build myself a house. Praise the Lord. In verse 7, like I said, he said, Thou shalt say unto my servant David that I took thee from the sheep court, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people. He's telling David, eh? Don't worry about where you're going. 
Remember, you used to keep sheep. David. Praise God. I got you from keeping sheep. And made you a ruler. Abamukumwe yabajamo wino. Abalala yabajama wundwe. Nakaseke. Mention your village. Some of your village. Some of you he got from the ghetto. And you're worrying how you're going to build a multi-million dollar deal. Come on somebody. Just remember how far he has gotten you from. You realize there is no reason to worry. Praise God. Now, me, I can't lose peace over a visa, for example. How can I lose peace over a visa? You understand? This guy was there. Even when I was sitting on a kameme. Who knows kameme? Oh, who sat on a kameme? You don't have enough money. You sit on a little kameme like this of a taxi. And the thing burns you, eh? Praise God. But inside, you're carrying gold. <laughs> oh, you're carrying zoe. And he says, but I got you from there. Some of you, how many of you, your, your, your roots are not from Kampala? Put up your hands. Look at all of you. What are you doing in Kampala? <laughs> That's what he's trying to tell David. Don't forget how far brought you. Don't forget how far I have brought you. Look at the smallest things I did for you. They will tell you how big I want to bless you. Because you, you moved on. Yes, you might be stuck now. Yes, but you're stuck in also a certain level. Praise God. You come from worse places. You've breathed in oxygen and carbon dioxide at the same time and still not died. Some of you left hospital beds. He's telling him, don't forget I got you from keeping sheep and made you a ruler. I can build that house for you. I can build that marriage for you. I can build that ministry for you. I can build that business for you. I, I, I can. I can. Praise God, somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, I made you great. And he told him, for the same reason, I'll ordain a place. And verse 11 says, And it shall come to pass, when thy days be expired, that thou must go with thy fathers, that I'll raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons. Did you hear that? Listen to how the KJV says it. The KJV says, I will raise after thee a seed which shall be of thy sons. That means amidst your sons I'll raise a seed. What, what does Luke 8, 11 say? Are you hearing me? God tells David that after you're old and you're joined with your fathers, I will raise for you a seed after thee which shall be of thy sons and I shall establish his kingdom. I, God, will establish his kingdom. Praise the Lord Jesus. And the next verse says, 
Uh-huh. He shall build me a house. Now, that's the interesting thing. He establishes the son of the seed of David to build him a house and he will establish his throne. And he, God will establish his throne forever. So we, we are told that in spite of the fact that Solomon was building God a house, it wasn't actually him building. It was God building a house for the posterity he promised David that he shall have one day. Praise the Lord Jesus. And through his seed, which shall be of his sons. In other words, in your children, I shall put a certain message in your sons that will build the church. I'll put a certain message in your children that will build the ministry. I'll put a certain message in your children, in your, of thy sons. So the question now comes to David. Why not him? Remember the vision was his. The idea was his. So the question is, why not David? And I'll tell you why. First Kings chapter 5 verses 3. The Bible says, Solomon now was speaking in 1 Kings chapter 5 verses 3. He says, thou knowest how that David my father could not build a house unto the name of the Lord his God. For the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. And the next verse says, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. So that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God as the Lord spake to David my father saying that thy son whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room he shall build an house in my name. Who has understood what I just said? That means David had it in his heart to build a house for God. But the Lord would not let David build that house because he had shed much blood of war. Some of you know that. But I'm going to go a bit deeper to explain why really. God does not build for a man. He intends not to build for you while you still have adversaries on your side. That is not the way of God. He did not imagine having a dwelling place because it had happened before. You remember? And they built a temple. You remember that time? And what happened? When they were under siege, when they attacked Israel and broke the boundaries of Israel, the first thing they destroyed was the temple. And when that temple was broken, from that day on, God says, I will never build a temple and a place of my dwelling until I deal with the enemies of Israel to the point where all of them are under thine feet. Then I will build a ministry. Then I'll build the marriage. Some of you get where I'm going. Some of you don't yet. But in a few minutes, you're going to. Now, here is the catch. The Bible says... In Luke chapter 1 verses 68, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Again, he went back to the household of, of, of David. Luke picked the same revelation of David's household and how a throne shall be established and kingship and the temple and everything and, and how ministry was to be set out for them to serve God. And Luke that revelation. And he says he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of, 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 of our father, uh, of his servant David. The next verse says, and he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, uh -huh, that he should be saved. We, we, you and I, should be saved from our enemies 
You see? And from the hand of all that hate us, and the Bible says to perform the massive promise to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant. And the next verse says, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. And the Bible says that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered from out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. God did not ordain me to serve him with enemies. It doesn't mean that those who hate me don't exist. It only means that the consequences, there are consequences to destroy you are decimated. Who has understood what I'm saying? They, they, if those who look like they are surrounding you, anything from that understanding, from the covenant of the church, he himself built. Do you remember when he comes to, 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 to Peter? And he says, who do men say I am? Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're the other prophet. But who do you think I am? And then Peter says, you're the Christ of God. And he says, flesh and blood, blood, David, did not reveal this for you, to you, but my father which is in heaven. And he says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It does not mean that there might not be opposition. It won't be that things won't shake you, no. But God will not let them overtake you. Who has understood what I just said? In Jeremiah 31 verses 11, he says, For God, for God, for God has redeemed Jacob and has ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. That means nothing attacking you. Nothing that has attacked you is stronger than you. That God dealt before you even became born again. The day you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, hallelujah, the day you became born again in your spirit, it did not mean that opposition will not come. It only meant you were redeemed from anything that was to be stronger than you. It doesn't mean that people who hate you won't surround you, no. But the enemies who could have brought you damage were dealt with under that covenant. Chichachukutisa. What is making you lose peace? What, what, what is threatening you out of your comfort to think that because somebody is saying, somebody is doing, somebody is smiling, oh, apostle, pray for me. There's this person, he's going to make me fail at work. Really? Really? Listen to your seed. Listen to your seed. That is why there's a way dead men speak. That is why he told David that when you're collected and dead, and put together with your fathers, I shall raise a seed after you. There is a, there is a way de, there is a way dead men talk. No, if when you die, when you die, when you die, you don't look at circumstances and say, ah, you know, this thing is not going to work. You see, you see me, I mean, now this is not working. No, no, no. Listen, anything that could have destroyed you has been defeated. It has. God promised that the only way for the manifestation of this thing I want to build in you has to come after a certain seed. And that seed has to come after a certain death. Hallelujah, somebody. It has to come. That's why I tell people, understand your death in the Lord. Recall ye yourselves dead unto sin but alive unto God. He, when you die, that's, that's why we preach grace. That's why you preach grace. Grace is the perfect balance of a dead man. 
It's the perfect balance of a dead man. That's the gospel of grace. You remember what he said? That I may fellowship in his suffering. If perhaps I'll conform to his death. And that I might see resurrection power in my life. He says that I may be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. Sorry, not having my own righteousness. Which is of the law. But the righteousness, which is of him through faith in Christ. He's saying the only way a man can be found in God is if he has a righteousness that is of, not of him. But he cannot understand that righteousness until he conforms to the death of the spirit. When the Bible says when you died, you died with him. You died. Reconning yourself means count yourself dead. When Paul says we are dying often, it means every day he remembers himself that I'm speaking as a dead man. In other words, you are dead to the feelings, to the surroundings, to the senses, to the circumstances, to the things that are around you. Nothing changes your vibe. Nothing changes your mood. Nothing. Whether you ate food or you didn't eat food, the word of God is still true. Whether you are promoted or you are not promoted, the word of God is still true. Whether things are working or they're not working, the word of God is still true. Whether it has worsened this year than last year, you don't even ask and say, but God, I have prayed, but things are worsening. You're not yet dead. Dead men don't tell tales like those ones. Hallelujah. No. The seed comes out naturally. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, that is what God is trying to tell us here. That Solomon is a typified picture of the dispensation of grace and the New Testament. And David is a typified picture of the Old Testament dispensation. The Old Testament dispensation was after the sweat of blood. The dispensation of the New Testament was the receiving of the things God has promised through peace. God built the temple when he was sure that Israel was safe from its enemies. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let, let, me, let, me, let me paraphrase it. He put you in that marriage when he was sure that anybody who could fail it was dealt with already. He put me in this ministry, Fanero, when he knew that any mouth that could have stopped me was silenced. So, anything that is against you is past tense. That is what I'm trying to tell you. Tell your neighbor, whatever is against me is past tense. Who am I speaking to? So, that is what God is trying to tell Solomon. That's what he's trying to tell David. I can't build a temple in your time. There is too much war. There is a lot of enemies around you. By the time that temple goes on the ground, I will have given you freedom from your enemies. By the time you enter that job, God knew that nothing could take you out. By the time you enter that relationship, God knew that nothing could take you out. By the time you enter that ministry, God knew that nothing could take you out. By the time you started that business, God knew that nothing could take you out. I have been redeemed from the hand that was mightier than I. Tell your neighbor, I have been redeemed. Bring it on, devil. Bring it on. Hallelujah. Do anything you want, all you want. Something in me tells me that whatever could have been destroyed me has been dealt with. All I have is the seed. All I have is the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I wake up and situations do whatever they I just wake up and say, ah, nay. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's what God is telling David. That you have too many wars for me to give you a temple. Let's finish these wars. Let me make them a footstool for you. That's what he says in Luke. That he raised the horn of salvation through our lineage and our father David. And because he has delivered him from all the enemies. Now we, are, we can serve. You, they can't come to you and tell you now you have cancer. You have days to live. What? How can I have cancer? How can it kill me? How? Who has understood what I just said? I was delivered from anything mightier than me. Praise the Lord Jesus. Nothing can stop Fanero. Nothing. Nothing. They've been here in the rain. They've been here when there's no electricity. They've been here when, when they don't have transport. They've been here when they have nothing. I can't worry about the next two years. Praise God. Tell your neighbor, today I'm here and I'm here tomorrow. Things are happening for me today and they'll happen tomorrow. Speak it with your mouth. That seed is important to come out of your spirit. So he tells Peter, on this rock of revelation, this rock of revelation, I will build my church. This rock where there is no flesh and blood. Are you hearing me? David shed much blood. No, this, we are not talking about the revelation of how much you fight. We are not talking about the revelation of how much you apply, you, you apply your, your flesh. We are talking about the, the, the revelation of how much you yielded to the revelation of the person of God. And he says, now all you need is to understand the present truth. The problem with many people, God works in two minutes, three, after five minutes, things fail. And then you go back in a very wrong confession. Then you go back in your conversation and say, but, uh, but if I want it, oh no, don't lose your sweet words. Hallelujah. Whether yaka is working or it's not working, whether you have tuition or fees, tell your children, you will study. You pray with someone for two weeks. Then the third week they say, but apostle, I've prayed for three months. Nothing's have failed. Who told you? How? How did it fail? How? You just need to change your word. God is simply telling us, this dispensation is not about what you do for him. It's about what he wants to do in you. And firstly, to make sure by the time he begins it. He has dealt with everything that could ever stop you. He has dealt with everything. Why do you talk like one who hasn't, who hasn't understood what God has done? Do you understand what I'm saying? Be free. Tell your neighbor, be free. That is why the Bible says that he that began a good work in you. Where would he get the confirmation that he will see to accomplishment 
when he had not yet dealt with your enemies. The Bible says he went and sat at the right hand of the father after his enemies were made a footstool. Aren't you seated at the right hand? Isn't Christ seated? That means everything that you need to fight has been dealt with. Battles are done. Now the war is for the mind. The devil is trying to trick you that it's not working. It won't work. It can't work. And you're trying to believe it. Refuse it. Somebody refuse it now. Say refuse. Hallelujah somebody. Get to your feet. You might be here. And you're going through things. And if somebody looks at you. Or if you look inside. You realize there is no hope. And no answer. But I have come to give you good news. He builds. Allow him to. You're not in the covenant. Of human blood. You're in the covenant of Christ's blood. Anything that needs or needed to be shed blood for, Jesus did it for you on the cross. Let me tell you, saints, this is a truth before God. That there is nothing I look at in my life and I think for a moment that it's going to finish me. It is not there nothing I'm looking at in my life. Some people talk, that's why you realize me, I don't answer critics. Because when I look at critics, there is none I've not defeated. There is none I've not Kabogere. Some of you, they, they told people, Kufa, she's going to die. Let them watch you enjoy old age. And for more of this, join us every Thursday at Umalugogo from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Finero, make manifest.